0: Bill Hudson-Peller, the senior pastor at Influence Church, and we welcome you from wherever you are watching. As I was on Facebook earlier, I noticed people from the Philippines want to give you a shout out, from the Netherlands, Australia, all around the world, we're seeing people watching and benefiting from the worship of God and the adoration that we give to his name and to his word. So welcome, and God bless each and every one of you. Well, it goes without saying that we are living in challenging times. We're living days that we thought we would never live. We're experiencing things, we're having limitations drawn on us that we didn't imagine could happen, and yet here we are in this day, in this hour, but I want you to know, rest assured, God is working in a mighty way. God is moving through the land. I saw a statistic just the other day that Bible sales are up 60% since this began just a few weeks and months ago. And so people are hungry for the word of God. They wanna know what does God have to say? Is there any message for me? Is there anything that I can glean from this time? Can I find hope? Can I find encouragement? Can I find the will of God? And the answer to all those questions is yes. God is a very present help in time of trouble. And the Bible says, though the mountains quake, though they slip into the midst of the sea, there is a city whose builder and maker is God, and God is in the midst of her, and she shall not be moved. So be reassured, God is still in control of this world. And what God is doing has not fully been revealed yet. We don't see all the things that God is doing behind the scenes, but I want you to know God is working. I had this thought this week as I looked at some of the, what I call the overreaching and the violation of the Bill of Rights. And I had this thought, do we need a second American Revolution? Now I know that's pretty bold, And it probably brings a lot of things to your mind that you weren't thinking you were going to entertain on a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening or through the week whenever you're watching this. But I want you to know it's a good question. And I would say, no, we don't need a second revolution. What we need is a return to the founding documents and faith that made our nation great in the very beginning. God's hand was on this nation, and God's hand is still on this nation, but as we've moved down through history, we see that there's been a variance off the, the main course, and we need to come back to the things that are really important. As you know, I like to watch the headlines and see what's happening around our world and, 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 and try to filter those through what God is trying to do in our world as well, and this one caught my attention. It's, it reads like this, the coronavirus, police to test drone-monitoring residents' temperatures and coughing. And as I read that, my first thought came, well, this is certainly uh, very close to a violation of the Fourth Amendment, and that is the right to privacy, that, that right that, that we have as citizens. And as I read a little bit deeper, it's called the uh, pandemic drone. And it can monitor your temperature from 190 feet above the earth. It can detect sneezing, coughing, heart, and even breathing rates. Now, I don't know about you, but it sounds to me like that's one nation under surveillance. Not only that, but it seems to come very close to violating HIPAA laws that we all understand are important in our day. Another headline that caught my attention was this one. Uh, Mayor Kumo boasts of low COVID infections, and then he said, God did not do that. It's interesting that in a state that is the epicenter for what we see today in the coronavirus, that he would say, think that somehow his hard work and the workers around him solved the problem. But uh, Governor Huckabee made this uh, observation. He said if you take the eight counties surrounding New York City and made it a separate nation, those eight counties would constitute a country with the most COVID-19 cases in the entire world. And by pulling New York and those eight counties out of the United States, America would now drop to only the 11th highest number of cases in any country in the world. And my thought is maybe God needed more involvement in the leader's mind and heart in order to help shift what's happening in our world. We have begun to live like we don't need God or God's unimportant or we have become so elevated in our thoughts that we, don't, we miss out on, on God's hand. To make it even worse, Mayor de Blasio of New York City said this, and I quote, he threatened to, quote, unquote, close the church buildings permanently. Now, there's a problem with that, and that's called the First Amendment. You see, we have this overstretching and overreaching that's happening today. And it's, it's, to me, it falls into that category of the, the things called in that day. In the Bible, that phrase in that day is used more than 200 times. And it's used to point us back to God, to reveal something about God. Let me walk through a few of those things that we find in Scripture. It is, first of all, a distinct day in Scripture. Whenever you read that phrase, it is a technical phrase. God put in there for a reason, and it is something that is marked out in advance for us to see and take notice of. As we do that, we understand that it also brings about a radical change in our perspective. Whenever you read that phrase in that day, you have to step back and say, how should my perspective change? What is God trying to say to me? And right now, where you're watching, I want you just to ask God that question, God, how should my perspective change? God, what do I need to see in this day? People have been living with such fear they can't see God. They've been living with such fear they can't understand the perspective of what's happening in our world today. Well, I want you to know also it requires new strategies. If we're going to live in the, that day of God's timing, we have to ask God, what should our strategies be? What is it we need to look at, and what is it we need to do in order to somehow advance in this season, that we should shine brightly like the stars of the heavens, that we should be that peculiar people, that means that people that are set apart unto God as a, as a remnant of God, as a holy nation unto the Lord, that we might proclaim his praises worldwide, Well, as we begin to look at it, look at this scripture in Isaiah chapter 17 and verse seven. It says, in that day, a man will look to his maker and his eyes will have respect for the Holy One of Israel. Now look what God says. In that day, you're gonna stop looking at everything else. You're gonna look at your maker and your eyes are going to have respect for the Holy One of Israel. I believe that's what's happening in this day. I believe there are many across the world who are saying, you know what? I need to look to the Holy One of God. I need to look to God and say, God, show me what you're doing. Show me who you are and remind me, God, that you are the Holy One of God, of Israel. Now, when we begin to study Scripture, one of the things we want to do, especially when we begin to talk about things like, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. We also wanna look at what does God have to say? Does he speak on the matter of government? Does he talk about things that we're dealing with today? I had a smile on my face when I watched the bulldozer in Venice Beach push tons of sand into the skateboard park. And they were determined that that the boys and girls were not going to skate during this season. And not to be outdone, all the dirt bikes showed up and realized it was the best place to ride dirt bikes. And, the, and the, this idea that you're going to take someone and control them and stop them, unless there's warrant for it, we need to really understand what's happening. So here's the first principle of scripture. That is that God permitted and ordained civil government. You see, our government is not an accident. And God has some very great things to say about governments and how they should operate. But let me just give you one particular verse in Romans chapter 13 and verse 1. It says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Now, that's a pretty big statement. But I want you to notice I've highlighted the word subject let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. And the word subject is quite different in scripture than the word obey. So let me take you to Acts chapter five and verse 29. Now, the apostles were out preaching the word of God, they'd been arrested, they they got out of jail and they went back to preaching the gospel. And they said, we're not going to let you preach anymore. And they said, stop preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. But look what they said, we ought to obey God rather than men. And later on it says, but you decide what is right. So what they said is, we're going to obey God, but we will submit ourselves to your authority. If you think preaching the gospel causes arrest, then arrest us. But we will obey God first, but we will be subject to governing authorities. And this balance in scripture is so critically important. In fact, that section in Romans, I would encourage you to read it, it tells us that, that the authorities exist there for our good and they have to be a good, good, God-appointed society of of leaders that are going to help us move through life, and if they're not, we have to look at changing the law or, or calling people out who are somehow violating these basic First Amendment rights that we have as believers. You know, the most brilliant thing that our founders did was to believe in freedom. Now, freedom we take for granted in America. We're so used to freedom that we've somehow lost some of the meaning behind the word freedom, and what does that really entail? Well, I want you to know that freedom really comes in three phases. It comes in the winning of freedom, and that happened in 1776 with the writing of the Declaration of Independence. It was there that we set forth that we were going to be a nation that was free, but it didn't stop there because we needed the ordering of freedom, And that would follow the Constitution of the United States. And I want you to know there's nothing like the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence anywhere in the world. It is a very unique set of documents. But the third thing I want you to think about a bit, and that is the sustaining of freedom. You see, every generation has to understand the tenets upon which our nation is built. Every generation has to look at that long and hard and ask themselves, are we sustaining the freedom that was so dearly paid, the price that was so dearly paid by those who have gone before us. If you've ever been to Washington, D.C., you've probably seen etched in the marble of the Jefferson Memorial, these words. God, who gave us life and gave us liberty. Can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed a conviction that these liberties are a gift of God? Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect God is just, that his justice cannot sleep forever. Now, it doesn't sound like Jefferson was confused about the foundation of our nation. He clearly understood that the foundation was God. But he also understood that in that process that we had a responsibility. And that responsibility is to be reminded that freedom is never free. Freedom always costs in the big scheme of things. And you see, freedom always cannot be controlled or mandated by law. Freedom has to be self-directed. That is, the freedom that you have, you have to be responsible as a citizen of this nation to understand its foundation and to live it out in the way that God would have you live it out, according to Scripture. In the book of 1 Peter We understand something about the cost of freedom. It says, for Christ also suffered for our sins. He suffered for our sins once, the just for the unjust. I don't think anyone uh, watching today would say, you know what, I'm perfect and I'm without sin, but the Bible says that Jesus was the just and he died for you, the unjust. And why did he do that? the scripture says, that he might bring us to God. How are you going to get to God? Through Jesus Christ, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. He died for you. He paid your price. He The price of your sin, he was your substitute, and he wants you to come in relationship with him. He wants you to love him with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength. And if you've never believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, I encourage you to believe on him right now. And it goes on to say, being put to death in the flesh, he was made alive in the spirit. You see, he died for our sins, but when he rose from the dead, he rose to give us life. So both were important, his death to take away our sins, his resurrection to bring us new life. Now, we talk a little bit about revolution, and we think about the American Revolution in 1776 but there was another revolution that happened about the same time, and that was the French Revolution of 1789, and it really uh, points out two different views of freedom. The American Revolution, very unique. The Constitution's first three words are, we the people. Those words affirm the government of the United States exists to serve the citizens, and not the opposite. The American Revolution, has led to the longest sustained democracy in the world history. And there's a reason that that's significant and important. There's a reason that people want to come to this nation. It is because of the freedom that we have. The French Revolution, on the other hand, began with an attack on the church. Thousands upon thousands of clergymen were killed during that French Revolution. Reason became supreme. Why, even Notre Dame, the the cathedral was turned in to worship the deity of reason. Anti-church laws were established, crosses were removed, and independence from God was proclaimed, and then began this bloody terror, uh, this reign of terror of of the killing and, and wiping out whole groups of people. Why? Because they said, we don't need God. I want you to know today I see a lot of evidence of a French Revolution. We don't need God. Reason is supreme. Hide the churches, quiet the churches in a land where we see everything seems to be open except the churches. Everything seems to be okay except the churches. And you ask yourself, why is that? Well, it's because it's a gathering. Well, I don't know about you, but if you've been to Target lately, there's a mass gathering happening at Target in every aisle. Oh, they might get you six feet apart when when you check out, but I promise you the four or 500 people in there are mass gathering. Why is that permissible? Why isn't the six-foot rule exercise when political leaders are, are, are edging themselves out for a for a picture on national TV, but they're close at hand, no mask on, and yet somehow that's okay. I want you to begin to ask yourself the right kind of questions. I came across a letter that I thought was interesting from Sir Richard Sutton, relative to the government of America, from a crown-appointed governor in America to the Board of Trade in Great Britain, showing this, if you ask an American who is his master, He will tell you he has none, nor any governor but Jesus Christ. You see, from Great Britain, they understood what was happening. This America was different. It was not going to be the king who was going to be supreme. It was going to be the King Jesus who would be supreme. And I want you to know when King Jesus is supreme in your life, your life works much, much better. But the freedom we have fails when when a few things happen in our life. When, we, when excess leads to license, when you take advantage of your freedom and you somehow push it beyond what it should be pushed, it also fails when safety is prized above all else. And that's what we're living in today. Safety becomes more important than the Bill of Rights. Last week, I showed a clip from the mayor or from the governor of New Jersey. And he said he hadn't even considered the Bill of Rights, and that was above his pay grade and yet that's not the case as elected officials are sworn to uphold the Constitution of the United States. The other thing that makes it fail is everything becomes justified in the name of freedom. When you begin to say, well, you know, this is okay, or I prayed about this and I think it's okay, what does the word of God say? Not just what does your heart say. Your heart can be deceptive. What does the word of God say about that. And if you will direct your life by the Word of God, by the Spirit of God who lives in your heart, you're going to find real freedom. In fact, Jesus said, "He, the Son sets free. He's free indeed. Why are they free? Because now I don't have this bondage in my heart, the bondage of fear, the bondage of coming death, the bondage of how am I going to make it. God said, I will be your supplier. I will be your resource. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but always acknowledge him, and the Bible says he will make your path straight. Well, you see, freedom requires something. Alexis D. deCocqueville, a philosopher and traveler of early America, referred to the habits of the heart. Os Guinness referred to the golden triangle of these three things, virtue, faith, and freedom. Without virtue, you cannot have freedom. If you don't order your life, you cannot have freedom. If you're going to live your life any way you want, you can't have true freedom. Faith, faith in God. When you put your faith in God, then you can understand freedom because you see God now becomes your king. And then what about freedom itself? Well, we need virtue, faith, and we need freedom. But you see, when we think about freedom, we have to remember that God rules over all and he has final word on everything. Now think about that thought. God rules over all and has final word on everything. Samuel Adams, one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence, said this, The rights of the colonists as Christians may best be understood by the reading and the careful study of the institutes of the great lawgiver and the head of the Christian church, which are to be found clearly written and promulgated in the New Testament. So what did Samuel Adams say? Read the word of God. Understand the word of God, the great Lawgiver. And I want you to know this great God that we serve, he's omnipotent. Now you may never heard that word, but it means all powerful. When you think about God, do you think about God being all powerful? Why Psalm 147.5 says, Great is our Lord, mighty in power, his understanding has no limit. Psalm 33, 6 says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of his mouth. Colossians 1, verse 6 says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, where the thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. We also talk about God being omniscient. That means all-knowing. Psalm 147.5 says, Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. If God has infinite understanding, wouldn't you like to get some of that? The Bible says, if you lack wisdom, call upon his name. That he gives wisdom to all who would call. Colossians 1.17 says, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Why everything revolves around God. God is trying to get our attention today. And then God is omnipresent. That means he is present everywhere. You can't go any place where God is not. In fact, people ask, where did God come from? And I said, no place. Because there was no place before God created place. He is before all things, in all things, and all things were created by him and through him. The Bible says in Psalm 46, the Lord of hosts is with us. Do you feel his presence right now? Right there where you sit, where you watch, where you listen. Would you just say, God, I, I sense your presence now. I I welcome your presence into my life right now. It goes on to say, be still and know that I am God. When you're just still in your heart and you realize God is God and God loves you. He says, I will be exalted in the nations. You see, all that's going on today, God says, I'm gonna be exalted. He says, I will be exalted in the earth. He says, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Your refuge is God. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. When Jesus was talking to those who would follow him, he made this statement. He said, if anyone desires to come after me, do you want to be a Christ follower, he says, let him deny himself. I have to give up My right to live my life my way and say, I'm going to follow Jesus. Let him take up his cross and follow me. You see, the cross is what you die on. You give your life for God. And then he asks this question, what will it profit a man if he could gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Or what would a man give in exchange for his soul? What would you give for your eternal soul? What would you give in exchange for that? God says it won't profit you anything. That if you want to follow me, if you want to be a Christ follower, then you have to take Christianity off the table as being a hobby, and it has to be a lifestyle. It has to be the the very heartbeat of your life has to be, I love Jesus, and I will follow him all the days of my life. I want to invite you right now to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite you to call upon his name. Wherever you're watching, wherever you're listening around the world, would you say, Lord Jesus, I want to follow you. I'm not sure what all that means, but I want to follow you with as much understanding as I have. I want to love you with all of my heart. I believe that you died on the cross, that you rose from the dead to give me eternal life. Lord Jesus, would you save me right now? Would you come into my heart, Lord Jesus? Would you give me a love for you and a love for your word? Would you make me a world changer? That is, would you allow me to be bold in my faith wherever I go? I believe God is raising up bold people right now. People who are not ashamed, people who are not afraid of the name of Jesus Christ. Would you be one of those people? Would you just say, yes, I'll be one of those people if you're right now in that in that message section and as you're watching just put in facebook today i believed on the lord jesus christ. Each week we see people come to faith in Christ. Would you be one of those? Yes, pastor, I became a believer in Jesus Christ. Now for those of you who are Christians, I want to just challenge you to boldness. You say I've already I'm already a Christian. I've already gone down that road and believed on the lord Jesus Christ. How about are you a bold Christian? Are you standing up for your faith? Are you living out your faith? If not, would you renew your faith right now and say, Lord Jesus, I wanna renew my faith in you. I wanna follow you now with boldness. I'm gonna proclaim your name wherever I go. I'm gonna be in your word and I'm gonna gonna repeat your word to people wherever I find them. Would you just do that? And let us know that. Just write that in that section there on Facebook and say, I just renewed my faith. I just renewed my faith and if you need help, Wherever you are, we're going to get you information. We're going to get you support. We're going to pray for you that you walk faithfully before the Lord Jesus Christ.